Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. If you're looking to find us, you can find us on Instagram at Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs. You can DM us there if you want to be on the show. If you have questions for the entrepreneurs, keep DM us, keep texting us. Uh, the number is 610-709-3337. Um, that is the the number to DM. We also have a number same uh, 610-709-3339. Uh, you can DM as well. I prefer the 3337 uh, because that just goes direct and is easier to communicate and is solely for the show. But I will answer personal texts on the other one. So I do give out that number and I am pretty good at answering everyone. So I'm going to leave that with everyone. If you want to find us or listen to us, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And if you're hungry, you don't want to cook, you don't want to go out to get your food, open up the DoorDash app, click away, and you might just get one of the awesome entrepreneurs that are on this show pop up and try their food. I recommend it. So thank you, everyone, for listening in. I appreciate the growth. I appreciate all the organic growth, the word of mouth, the everyone doing what they do. We really don't push hard on the podcast. We don't do a lot of marketing advertising dollars. We reinvest it in trying to build the show and build the things for the entrepreneurs and we push episodes here and there uh, to get traction but generally what we're finding now is the less we push it and the more we let the entrepreneurs uh, fans and and loyal um, followers of the show talk about it the better it does so in the end of the day as an entrepreneur show and in the business world i would say word of mouth is still the strongest way of marketing if if anything else i will tell you hands down it's the best thing to do so with that being said i'm very excited to introduce our guest it's actually the best i've ever seen this executed to date because i've been looking around at this and i do love sweets and particularly candy and in I eat a lot of it if I'm not watching myself. And so uh, particularly any kind of candy that's like, I don't know, Sour Patch Kids or uh, Hot Tamales. I love that type of stuff. So this is right up my alley. So I'm very excited to introduce Taryn Archibek from Albuquerque, New Mexico and her company, The Best Freeze Dried Candy. How are you doing today, Taryn? Oh, I'm doing good. Actually, my business, the candy company, is Sticky Fingers Candy. Sticky and, Fingers. Um, yeah. The reason I had to change the handle was because there was so many handles of the same name. I was, wasn't coming up. And uh, so my customers were having trouble finding me. I like that. I'm Obviously, I need to do my research a little more. Um, and I need to work with my team a little bit better on this. But I like that a lot, actually. That's very, like... I mean, it's so hard for people not to have their Instagram be the name of their company. And we're going to talk about this because I think that had to be such a mental hurdle for you because I, a lot of people's egos are attached to their handles now and that must be the name of their business. And you did not do that. And it totally caught my attention because of it. Um, this is very cool. I like what you're doing. So before I get into that, uh, Taryn, talk to me about your story. Like, where did you grow up? What were your influences? Like, how did you end up in the food space and becoming a food entrepreneur? So, I actually grew up in Southern California. Um, I've just always liked food. I've kind of grew up like Matilda was my inspiration growing up, right? I was kind of a latchkey kid. I think it was kind of like the last generation of latchkey kids. And I kind of had to cook for myself. 
um, pack my own meals, kind of take care of myself at a younger age. And it's just something I grew up knowing. Um, but I kind of decided that um, I wanted to go to school for food. And then I moved to New Mexico. And then I decided that um, school for me was not the thing that was going to like help me move forward. And I kind of... Um, I kind of stopped working in the food industry just because I got kind of bored working with people who didn't necessarily know what they were doing. And I don't know if anybody else can relate to this in the food industry, but a lot of people who open up restaurants have never worked in the food industry. So it can get kind of tiresome dealing with, uh, dealing with the owners. <laughs> um, and actually became a massage therapist and, as a massage therapist, I kind of, I got to travel a little bit, um, experience more things, um, meet a ton of people, move different places, um, enjoy food without having to work in the industry. And then when I came back to New Mexico, um, because of COVID, um, there was just not much to do. And so, um, I just kind of fell into it again. I was like, well, what can I do out of my home in the beginning, you know, to, to kind of take up my time and uh, make some money while everything is kind of shut down, you know? Um, and so I invested in, in a freeze dryer and I just started experimenting again, <laughs> kind of like back when I was a kid. And then that kind of became the inspiration of giving people an experience that they know as an adult and then from growing up and then kind of totally changing it and giving them a brand new experience with, they, with what they've grown up with and just totally changing it and giving them a new experience with the same product. And so now I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to really dive into it. I want to give everyone in the audience the definition of a latchkey child, just in case the younger generation doesn't understand what it is. But by definition, a latchkey kid is a child, and this is the Oxford Dictionary, by the way, a child who is at home without adult supervision for some part of the day, especially after school until a parent returns from work. Okay, let me give the Wikipedia definition also. A latchkey kid or latchkey child is a child who returns to an empty home after school or a child who is often left at home with no supervision because their parents are away at work. Such a child can be any age, alone, or with siblings who are also under the age of majority of their community. So I think, and I want to define this a little bit because uh, we really don't talk about this in the podcast, but it is a true thing. Um, the, a lot of latchkey children came from multiple, both parents wanting to work in the household. And it wasn't always because of necessity. A lot of parents during this generation realized that they could stock a lot of money and have better lives and send their kids to better colleges and have better retirements and live better lives, have better vacations if both parents worked. And in a weird way, they gave their kids a lot of independence, which also I will say I, I'm going to actually say this because uh, it's interesting that you brought this up because a few months ago I had a very similar con uh, conversation on this topic, which is the amount of independence that came out of this situation and kids having to cook for themselves at home that turned into entrepreneurs in the food space. 
okay and i'm just i i just want to emphasize that because we don't realize how sometimes these little trends or things that we're doing and we're benefiting our families but we're also giving our kids independence the ability to earn on their own and the ability to survive on their own that if we hover or we do too much for them they come out of school or college or go to college and it's like a train wreck so I grew up on a farm, and while my mom was around, she was running the farm all the time. And my father was an executive uh, in a, a food company that did food for airlines all over the world, and 122 kitchens um, from Moscow to Australia, all the way to the United States to Japan, and and etc. So, one of the in South America, uh, Central America, all of those things, their trucks were even used in. Um, Nicaragua during that whole crisis in the uh, 80s and 90s. So just saying, these are things that we get used to. We get independence. We're less dependent on other people. We we don't need relationships and we don't need uh, friends and we don't need relationships necessarily. We want them because we're more whole because of it, um, because of the independence. Now, can it have its negative impacts? Sure. But I would say there's a general, like I can tell when someone's more independent than they're not based on the way they grew up or they grew up on a farm. That also leads to some of it because everyone's selfless because the animals are going to die or the crops are going to die if you're too selfish in that place. So I find latchkey kids are not only surviving for themselves, but they're also better able to take care of those around them. And they think more holistically in terms of the and the entrepreneur space. Okay, I'm making a generalization and I'm not a scientist or a mind doctor, but I am an organizational behaviorist because of my experience in 24 years in organizing organizations and building them up to massive sizes and how all that works. And whether we like it or not, the way our environment that our kids come up in really determine whether they're entrepreneurs or not in a lot of ways, or they've got to battle things to be entrepreneurs. Uh, for me, I grew up in an environment of entrepreneurs and freedom and I was a latchkey child meaning I didn't you know while they may get me home from work that wasn't sure and even that my dad would sometimes bring me to his office and he'd disappear for three hours and I'd have to figure out how to get food how to figure out how to talk to people how to figure out how to do stuff so you become very independent in these worlds and so I love that you use that term um Taryn and and let's talk about why candy what what where did that come from why did you orient there did you always like candy and and this particular type of candy so how i started with the candy was i actually was um i had an online toy store and um i'm always looking for trends and leads and things of that nature um so I was on the hunt for some new leads and I got just some random candy lead and it turned out like it honestly just sold like so fast. It blew my mind. Like, I think I sold like 40, like 40 um, containers of this candy in probably maybe three or four minutes. Like it, I was like, what the heck, you know, like I've never, you know, from selling toys to going to, you know, um, what's called a replenishable, um, where it's a replenishable because somebody consumes it or throws it away and have to replenish it consistently. So if they like a product, they'll just keep buying that product. And so I just noticed that um, this candy just sold like insanely fast. 
And so I started doing um, some more research on it. And um, I just didn't really want to sell, like, just, like, resell candy or have any kind of, like, uncreative process that kind of went went into it. Um, so not that I don't enjoy candy, and it's not necessarily why I started the business in candy space. Yes, it was a hot lead, but also I believe um, creating an experience for people is really really the essence to kind of like any business. Um, so I, you know, kind of thought about this idea of, I don't know, recreating and giving people a new experience and giving people kind of like giving people smiles, not necessarily candy. And so um, I just started doing a ton of research and on stuff. And this video about freeze-dried candy popped up, and I just kind of went into the rabbit hole. I, um, <laughs> I actually, um, I talked to my parents about it, because the machine isn't, like, at the time, um, like, it was, like, a six-month wait to get a machine, and, like, they're not very cheap, and I was, like, talking to my parents, like, hey, I found this really cool idea, what do you think about it, and everyone was kind of like, that's stupid, you know, um, and I think that, at that point, every time I've listened to people tell me that something's stupid, I've not done it and then wish I did it. And so this time I decided that, oh, you know, like you think it's a dumb idea. That means to me now at this point in my life, it's a good idea. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like at every other time, like that advice has failed me. I'm going to do the opposite of what everyone is telling me to do. And I'm just going to do it. Because I find that a lot of people can't really understand the whole concept, you know. Like, they just see the candy and they don't understand all the ideas that go behind it. Um, so I kind of just bought the machine. And, um, yeah, I just, and, and just creating a, a new experience for people is really what I think the business is about and my company is about not necessarily the candy. I think the candy is like the vehicle to give people a fun experience. It's funny that you say this because I actually have a term that I refer to this in my head and I have an abbreviation just because it's become that it happens so often. I call it DWSND. DWSND. So everyone knows DWSND. I recommend everyone put this in there. It's like, what would Jesus do? Okay. It's like one of those things like <laughs> WWJD or something. It's that. It's DWSND. Okay. DWSND. What does it mean? Do what is said not to do. Okay. That is a key to being an entrepreneur. Do what is said not to do. Okay. Again, DWSND. Yes. D, okay, I'm obviously uh. taking the is and the two out of there, but it's basically enough. And here's why. And this just happened to me. I'm I'm coaching someone and he's like a mentor also, but he's in my entrepreneurial group called the Arate Syndicate. And um, he's like trying to do stuff. And I'm like, you it's possible to do quantity and quality. I'm I, they're not they're not independent of one another. And I know it doesn't exist in your industry, but it's just waiting for someone who can, because I can tell you in food, when you can produce quantity and quality, that's where you make money because it's at it, the margins are low and everyone's going to be like, Oh, every business is a low margin. Sure. 
then follow the same strategy. But you gotta have customer service to go with it. Also, if you commit to quality and quantity, you've gotta deliver the customer service piece also. Otherwise, focusing on one is okay in your business. But if you're gonna focus on both and win and really grow your business, it is possible. So here's what he what he says to me. As soon as he said, no one does that in my industry, like that is a solution. That is yes. like the golden opportunity just yes. fell in your up. You don't know what exactly. to do right now. You do not know what to do right now. Hello, they're telling you exactly right. what to do by telling you not what not to do. Their fears, exactly. because how many people have that same fear and are so scared to go into what I would call the blue ocean? Because there is a, a, a book called Blue Ocean Strategy. Blue Ocean is where there's no one else. It's where the opportunities lie. It's where everyone's afraid to go. It's deep. It's scary. It maybe takes more effort. It maybe is farther away. It maybe is a long-term plan, but it's still going to get you farther in life ultimately than not doing it. Okay. And I'm going to repeat that for everyone. And I'll put it in the title also is doing what is said not to do. Okay. Yep. D-W-S-N-D. That's so, the thing. I, and I love this. So go on. I just wish I learned that like way long ago. Like I wish I learned that when I was like in my twenties, you know, like when people tell you no, it's like the clear indicator for a yes. In like that regard, you know, when people can't really put their head around it or when people say that, yeah, just like solve a problem when people are like, Oh, if you're having an issue trying to figure out what to do in your business and people keep, like telling if if you want to start a business and you're like I don't know what to do and all you have to do is listen to people's complaints and you know like or listen to what people don't like to do and then just solve that problem it's so to me like it's so simple in that regard and so that's kind of like what I try to do like in my for my candy a lot of people always try to tell me you should do this kind of candy you should do that kind of candy because it's fun and it's novelty but nobody comes back to buy that candy they always come back for the candy that i make specifically like um like a lot of people want to always tell me to make let's say super puffy freeze-dried candy but super puffy freeze-dried candy takes a ton of space. It takes a lot of work. I'd have to charge a lot of money. It's not worth it for me, and it's not worth it for my customer. And they only buy it once to try it. But if I focus my attention on recreating the best candy that everyone buys and then recreating that in a new way every single time, they keep coming back for that candy because – they they're used to already like that uh that it's different it creates something a new experience every single time rather than just having the same experience once or the same experience multiple times if that makes any kind of sense absolutely it makes 100 percent <laughs> sense and i i want to talk about this like what's the difference like how much how do you make a puffy candy versus a normal candy how, like how do you i mean how do you go about that just because i'm curious because i agree with you it takes up way more shelf space so like a lot of people want me to do let's say like uh, uh peach rings right or because they're they're normally gummy and when you freeze dry them they turn into like 
a Cheeto consistency, like a like a cheese puff, like a Cheeto puff or whatever they're called. Um, and so they're like really airy and light, and the flavor is really like crazy intense, and it's a it's a cool experience, but like it's so overwhelming. It's so sugary. The flavor is so insane. Like you can't really eat more than like one, you know, in a row. And so on top of that, so you're, you're kind of like sitting on this pack or like you don't really like crave it like you would something else. Right. Because it's like so intense. And so they sell really fast one time, you know, like for the person that buys it to try it. And then that's one and done. It's kind of like a one hit wonder, you know. And then, and so when you make them, they expand, like, probably, like, two or three times the size. And so you can only fit so many inside of a freeze-drying machine. So you can maybe create, maybe, like, you can make, let's say, in one machine, you have, like, six or something shelves on it. But you can only fill two shelves, three shelves worth, because they expand so big, right? So, like, your machine is totally wasted all that space on top of the, the consistency takes so long to to make it's one of the ones that takes the longest and so all the time the energy the effort it doesn't necessarily make sense in like a business point of view but focusing on something that let's say is small and is crunchy and is light and airy that i can fit 30 pounds at one time but and still give a different experience, it doesn't make sense to make something that is big, puffy, and takes up a ton of space for both of us because I don't want to have to rip my customer off at the same time. I don't want them paying a ton of money for something they're really going to kind of be disappointed in, even though it sounds like a fun idea, you know? I love it. And here's where I'm going with this question just so the audience knows. I think... Okay, I'm going to refer to something, and I'm going to go back a second, and then I'm going to ask the question to you. Back in the day, Lee Iacocca used to work for Ford Motor Company. The thing that made Lee Iacocca, who ended up rescuing Chrysler back in the 1980s from bankruptcy by getting a government loan, and then he really paid it back to the government because he didn't want to take government money because at the time it was un-American to borrow money from the government. We've since thrown that to the wayside, obviously. But... um. You know, there was a pride in men and entrepreneurs that we went, we could live on our own and not take unemployment and all this stuff. We just don't live that way anymore. But back then, this he did it. But one of the things that brought him to fame was he would drop, he'd step up on a ladder, he'd drop the egg down, and it bounced off the um, what was the dashboard of a Ford Mustang or a Ford car, and it would, and it was soft, and the egg wouldn't break. And it was like, okay, and it was before airbags. And it's like, this is how safe this is. If you get an axe in your head, it'll bounce right off and your head's the egg. And it made him famous. It was a great marking and advertising thing that got it across. Okay, just so everyone knows, Lee Iacocca invented the Ford Mustang. He was part of that team that designed it. I wouldn't say he invested directly, but he led the team that designed it. Okay, just so everyone's aware. He was also part of the team that helped design the Ford uh, GT that would end up racing and now is its own supercar. Okay, he would also go go on to create some of Chrysler's greatest vehicles. Um, also including 
the creation of the of the Chrysler minivan, which is the first time the minivan ever came in the United States because families were growing and parents needed more practical ways to get their kids around with all their gear and all their friends than a car or a station wagon, which wasn't cool anymore. And they were big and bulky and low to the ground and took up a lot of space. So that just gives everyone, he, can, he made the car smaller, he raised the roof, and he put it on a car chassis and he called it a minivan. Okay, so instead of having to be on trucks or big chassis like um, station wagons, that's what he did. So this is where I'm going to go with this. I love this little marketing thing that you're doing, and I think it has to go a long way where you have two sledgehammers, and they smash what's traditional gummy candy, what I'll call gummy candy, and what's your freeze-dried. So explain to me this process so people can go to your um, Instagram. Well, you can give everyone your Instagram handle also. I think I gave it away at the beginning by introducing Sticky Fingers as the best freeze-dried candy. Sorry about that. And. No <laughs> But explain to me this whole thing. How'd you come up with it? What's happening and why do you do it? Uh, I just, I'm just a weirdo. <laughs> Honestly, like I just thought it'd be really funny to kind of like, like back in the day, there was a, there was a comedian named Gallagher and he would like smash watermelons with a sledgehammer. And like, it was the best thing ever. I don't know. When I was a kid, it was the greatest. I probably didn't understand any of his jokes. But like the fact that he would just like smash watermelons with a sledgehammer was like amazing. And um, I, don't, I just thought like it would kind of be a really funny idea to, um, I don't know, just like break stuff, <laughs> you know. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. I'm just I was kind of inspired by like a bunch of random things at the same time. Like I'm also like. Not that I'm like, oh, I'm an artist, but also I like to create things, right? So it was just kind of like a moving sculpture that I also wanted to create in a way of like showing that the candy is crunchy and puffy versus like gummy, but in like a weird kind of like off the wall way. <laughs> I don't know. It was just, I just thought it was funny and like I'm just kind of a weirdo. I like... love it. <laughs> Like it really so, yeah. was like one of those things for me that was just it blew me away. Really, it just is so well thought out. Really, and I know you're choking around, but it caught my attention, and I totally get it. Like one candy's gummy, you gum it, it gets stuck in your teeth and whatever. And then there's the freeze dried version, which just looks so fun and in your mouth and just so fun. I don't know how else to put it. It's fun. I think, I think a lot of people didn't really understand it. I think that I. If I, I need to like, if I did like a maybe a better quality version of it, but I also have this like idea about, I know it sounds really weird, but like, I like that like my, my Instagram is like bad good, you know, like I have this idea of it being like well thought out bad, you know, <laughs> it's like planned bad. It's not like naturally bad, you know, it's like. I want it to be bad and that's how I have it specifically. I don't know why, just like in my head, I think it's really funny. But so I try to make it like really campy and like really like kind of like weird at the same time. <laughs> I think that one was a little bit too weird. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know if you guys have seen those, those like Instagram videos of that guy that would like tape knives to himself and then like pop a bunch of balloons. Like, <laughs> but I just think it was like it. kind of like, <laughs> like 
I, I want to keep doing it. I want to keep doing it. But like, I think I need to make it like better lighting and like better, you know, <laughs> like more thought out bed, you know. <laughs> I just think you, it's very creative. I think that um, life is not always so easy and the things that catch humans attention are often things that we didn't even know i mean how many weird cliches or things do we still talk about that came out of stuff i mean ring around the rosy that we still well i think we still sing today maybe we don't but my cousin's uh daughter was singing it the other day at easter and it comes from the plague it comes from the bubonic plague like and we still sing it so i think there's little niches and that's a song but these little ideas they stick in our mind and when they're different or something happens or it's attached to something like emotional or funny or different we really latch onto it it's like the egg like if he would have dropped a stone no one would have cared but he dropped an egg okay like it's just those little details the fact that it's a hammer the fact that it's rubber the fact that it's automated that you made something that does it for you it's not like you're smashing with the hammer it's a machine that smashes them and so i think it's like it's just very creative it's very well done and hey i can't I can't think of a better way of executing that than you have actually, because I think that it just, it's, I don't know. It's good. It's a very yeah, well I done think, design. Go ahead. Thank you. No, yeah. I think I just need to like put, it kind of creates a mess. So I have to like create like time and space for it. And, um, so I do, I do have, um, a plan to re to re, to bring it back and especially I think that I'm a, um, because I do farmers markets throughout the season as well sorry I do farmers markets throughout the season I think I'm gonna bring it to the farmers markets and like let people smash it as well and like set up a camera and have other people smash it and like see their reaction and then also like the the recording of it smashing too you know <laughs> I love it. I love yeah, this. I think it is it is fun. Like I have fun smashing stuff. That's kind of like all and on top of it like so you were talking about like the blue ocean earlier and um so sorry, I'm going to go inside real quick. I was stepping on my scoot but it got kind of traffic right now. Um so you were talking about the blue ocean earlier and when I was like doing all the research for candy like a lot of it is like so country rooster mom and daughter or family got like a freeze dryer and now they like do craft shows you know and like everyone is that same vibe everyone is like that same thing and like so I totally went like the opposite direction like I wanted to go kind of like skater nostalgic like kind of going to the uh, my audience you know like my audience isn't children randomly you know like that's not who buys my candy kids don't have a wallet typically you know so on top of it kids don't care about candy it sounds really weird but like children don't care they'll eat whatever honestly you'll be like oh look you want this candy and they'll be like eh, whatever but it's really the mom the mom is the one who makes all the decisions about the candy buying. And so I kind of like have a, like a nostalgia thing about when we were kids, like everything's kind of like nineties, 
you know? That's why it's kind of bad. Like, it's, like, 90s is, like, kind of bad commercials, but, like, still good, you know? <laughs> like, like, very nostalgic of the 90s. And so, like, that's kind of why I have those, like, why I do those things. Like, like the smashing thing, it, like, kind of reminded me of when I was, like, a kid, you know? Like, like a weird, like, 90s commercial you know, like, like the Mentos commercials, you know, they like do random stuff and be like, like thumbs up at the end, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I love this a lot. Actually, I love what you're saying. Like, this is really important because I think I'm going to talk about this. Do you mind if I, I step in a little bit? So no, one ahead. of the greatest things, and this is why I don't understand health food companies, because they're so in like, we're no gimmicks. Well, cartoon's not a gimmick, okay? It's tying a brand to... How loyal are people to McDonald's because they have 10 million characters and you can relate to one? Everyone, like for me, it's the little French fry guys, because French fry was my first word. Like, I love French fries, which is, you know, which is why I'm probably allergic to white <laughs> potatoes now, but because I ate the <laughs> shit out of them. And um, one of the things is... Like, we have choices and we get to determine, but at the same time, like, there's characters that help tie us, that that build it, that give loyalty over a lifetime. Like, how many cereals have characters? How many things that we still eat yet we're in this world where we're like, oh, get rid of characters. It's gimmicky and it's it's manipulative. Is it really? I don't think so. Okay? And I get it, but you think Tony the Tiger sells the Frosted Flakes. The Frosted Flakes sell Tony the Tiger. I'm sorry. And then we attach to the character and that's, now we can relate to it because Tony the Tiger is great. You know? And it's like those type of things. Or Coca-Cola, okay? There's no character, but I can still remember the song, The Sun Will Always Shine, The Birds Will Always Sing, and as long long as there is fun there's always the real thing okay i think i was 13 years old when that came out i remember it or maybe younger but like those are the things i'm talking about the the things that we think are gimmicky or they're manipulative they're not they're just good sales they're good things i'm not telling someone it's candy and it doesn't have any sugar in it that would be gimmicky or manipulative because it does have sugar in it okay like we're not playing those games okay or are claiming that something that's good for them is not good for them you know so um or vice versa sorry something that's not good for them is good for them so that's you know it's just embracing what it is and i love this so let me um ask a question here um okay so i'm uh, and i know there's a lot of background noise and i apologize about that there's always a variables that come into the episode so the audience and tara and i apologize about that the the question that i was trying to get to before my mind starts spinning around with all the noise going on in the background and and everything and the, the selfishness that goes on with certain individuals because they're totally oblivious to what's going on around them but that's a whole other topic and um and uh, with the grace of God, I try not to let it bother me. But um, the the point is, um, we were talking about like the the differences in in the skater and the culture. I mean, talk to me about that. Talk to me about like you have a bunch of candy. Or actually, let me go back a second. Let's talk about all the varieties of candy that you have and you freeze dry. And how do you go about picking the candies that are in your store? Because I know you do markets also. Talk to me about the candies you choose and then we'll talk about sort of how you go to business or go to market with them for lack of a better term. Yeah. So, um, pretty much I just tried every candy I can think of in the beginning. Like I spent a good, I spent a good six months just buying and testing candy, like all the candy. 
And some of it, like, you'd think that it would be like, oh, this is going to be so good. It's disgusting. It's not good at all. And so I really just go through and I pick all the candies that, to me, are the most fun that give you a complete opposite experience of what you're used to. Even if you it's not your favorite candy, it's also you may like it because it's also not a, the same as what you've tried it before. And um, and then I also see like, can I add value to it? Because a lot of people don't add value. And what I mean by that in, for my candy is, can I add a sour dusting to it? Can I add a chamoy flavor, uh, chamoy uh, dusting to it? You know, can I, can I change it in some way that it's not <clears throat> recognizable anymore to what you're used to completely? So that it, so because with freeze drying, you're really just taking other people's product and changing it, you know? So I'll buy Skittles, I freeze dry Skittles, instead of the Skittles being chewy, they're airy, crunchy, melt in your mouth. They're completely different. They're like, if you were to just put it, if they just kind of like explode. They like and turn into dust in your mouth. And the flavor is more intense because uh, there's no water diluting any of it. And with Skittles, like I can put a lot of Skittles in one machine. And I can change everything, right? I can add sours to them. So I can make sour Skittles in every flavor. I can make chamoy Skittles in every flavor. Whereas like, if it's something like, let's say, I don't know, like a caramel, like caramels are fun and they're puffy and it's a different fun experience, but I also can't change it. Like there's not really too much I can add to a caramel that's going to make it better or like added value to it. Because I need to also be creative in what I'm doing. You know, like everything is fun, but I also want to like have fun doing it. And if it's just a very monotonous uh, kind of routine, then it's not going to last for me. And then my customers are going to feel that I'm not having fun in it anymore because I'm not like being creative. And even if it flops, like when they get like too crazy, my ideas sometimes will get a little bit too crazy and like no one will buy it because they're kind of weirded out. Like, then I know, don't do it again, but I still tried, you know? <laughs> no one's going to remember it, really, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I just, like, test it. I just kind of, like, I just make a little bit. Um, I make, you know, just a small batch. I'll bring it to the markets or, you know, I'll I'll hand it out or I'll watch people, um, people's expressions when they eat it to see if they like it. And if I'm getting a lot of good feedback on something that I just created, then I'll then I would like go full full on on it. So I want to be able to like keep giving people new experiences. I don't want to keep just like one and done, you know. I love this. So what's your most well? What's a shunai? Did you say shunai? I can't. I'm not really. It's not. I terrible about pronouncing words. Just so everyone knows, what is the word that you're using there? I'm just trying to oh, understand. Chamoy, it's like a, uh, it's like a Mexican, it's like a Mexican uh, sauce, like it's like a ch sweet chili, sour, salty chili sauce, 
and it's really it's really popular in like southern california um here in new mexico it's becoming popular um but you like drizzle it on like fruits and you can like put it around the rim of your beers or your white claws or whatever um but it's also like super pretty much in like every mexican candy you buy there's chamoy on it or something to do with chamoy i was gonna ask about mexican candy because you are in um you are in Albuquerque, and I feel like there's probably a lot of that Mexican-style candy there. So you are doing that. Are you also freeze-drying Mexican candy? So there's not really too many. So when you're freeze-drying, there's, like, certain things that work, certain things that don't work. If there's a certain ingredient, it doesn't work. So there's a lot of uh, – or, if like, <laughs> there's so many variables, right? And so there's, like, not too many – mexican candies that work to be honest so that's why i created my own because i couldn't find anything that did work and so i created my own chamoy mix and and so now i can have the mexican style candies that everyone loves that i couldn't find you know so and um, yeah, they're one of my best sellers. The chamoy and the sour candies are my best sellers. I love this. Um, this is awesome. The um, so, I mean, where do you go from here? What are you hoping this does? How do you keep growing your business? Like, how do you take this to market now? Like, you've. I want to go back a little bit. You came up with the freeze dried. You're testing all these candies. You've got Mexican candy on. Now, how do you get it to the public? Like, how are you going to market? How do you get people to take interest in what you're doing? So I guess on a bigger scale, that is the next challenge. And like the next thing I haven't really quite figured out how to put it like more mass, like because when you're using other people's product, like let's say Skittles, you can't advertise it. You can't use their name, their brand to advertise your product like that. They'll sue you in two seconds, you know? <laughs> um, so in that regard, it's like, ha where, where am I going to take it? And I'm, and that is the, that's my next move, right? while I do have my candy in some shops and I do the farmer's markets and I sell it, you know, um, all around town and whatever. Um, it's kind of like how, yeah, that is, that is the next thing. Like that's the next thing that I am working out. Like how do I make it to where I'm not advertising a, a huge brand's product because I can't do that. Right. <laughs> so, um, probably, um, it would be getting into more of a manufacturing. If I wanted to keep going in, uh, growing the business, it would be manufacturing my own types of candy to freeze dry, I, I suppose. So, um, which is huge logistics kind of thing. And like, <clears throat> yeah, I think that's where most people in this space are going to really fail, to be honest with you. Um, if they don't figure out how to pivot outside of the fad, if that makes sense. 
It makes 100% sense, actually, and I, and I love this. Um, let's talk about, like, your inspirations in life. What keeps you going every day? Why do you love doing this so much? I mean, did you have, do you have mentors? I mean, talk to me about how, like, I mean, because it's not easy, right? Yeah, no. Um, I think I, I started doing this just, like, I truly 100% do not want a boss. Like... I think it goes back to being like a latchkey kid, like not and being really independent, really young. And then having to like go into an office every day and have like authority figures. It's just like, doesn't work for me. So my whole goal in life is to just not have a boss. (laughs) And so that really like drives like my personal goal of like fulfillment. But within my business, like, I really want to give people, like, a fun experience. I want to give them something new. I want to put smiles on faces. You know, I want to, like, confuse people with what's happening in, in their mouth with my candy. You know, like, it, it that, to me, that is, like, that's the fun in it. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's That's what I like doing with it. So, like, that's the creative, like, thing. Like, I don't really, like, I don't have too many, like, role models or anybody in business that I'm, like, looking looking to for, like, advice or things like that because not really, not really too many people around me have created their own business. You know, a lot of people just work in an office or whatever they do, um, so I just kind of wake up and figure out what I want to do. And I kind of just do it, you know, <laughs> like, like, yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, there's nothing really holding anybody back from doing it. Like to me, it, it doesn't compute when people give me like all these like reasons why they can't do stuff. Like I, it, that never goes through my brain. Like, I'm always like, how can I do it? All the st- all the reasons why I can do it are the reasons why I do it. You know, like I never think the opposite, and so my brain doesn't ever really hear. Don't, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm extremely. I would call it. I'm almost allergic to corporate America, and that's. And the funny thing is, I'm a complete capitalist and entrepreneur, and like everything like that, but. I don't want to go work for someone else. Like, I just couldn't do it. It's not something that I want to do ever. It's not something I dream of doing ever. It's just like, I just don't want that life. I don't know why. It's just not in me. It has to do with growing up on a farm, I think. It has to do with being a latchkey kid, to your point. I think it's just a million different things. But I would rather make my own way than go through life and feel like someone else made it for me. And that's one of my biggest things is like, I just, that's just who I am. And I, I I can sense that from you as well. And I can sense that, um, that we're similar a lot in this way. Um, just because we both are so like, this is how we're going to do it. Um, this is how I want to do it. And, um, I'm going to figure out a way that I can do it. That's best for me. And I love that. So what, um, let's talk about your 
well, where can they find you online? How can they find you guys? And um, if they're in Albuquerque, where can they go to get your product? Yes. So my Instagram is the best freeze dried candy. And currently I'm redoing my website. So it is down right now. I'm not going to lie. I need to get it up. Um, and so um, DMs always work. Uh, you can always um, hit my hit my direct messages and um, I have my menu and everything and you can order from there. Um, in Albuquerque, I'm at um, Rail Yards Market, Downtown Growers Market. I'm at um, a store called Squidly. Um, I'm in another store called uh, Flyby Provisions. Um, and downtown, always can come grab some candy downtown. Awesome, I love it. And everyone in the audience, um, just so we know, we're going to do another episode with Taryn on her other concept called Bang Bang Fries. I can't even imagine what this is like because what you're doing with candy, um, it's pretty incredible. So, um, what is it that you? What is it that is your favorite thing about your business? And what's the least favorite thing about your business? Uh, my favorite thing about my business is the independence even though i just work on my business 24 hours a day (laughs) um which is actually the like i think the funniest part about being an entrepreneur is like you you quit your nine to five because you hate working nine to five and then you like work 24 hours a day (laughs) you know but it's for yourself um and i think the thing i dislike most about owning my own business is really it's really difficult to motivate yourself sometimes. And when you don't have like a necessary, like quote unquote schedule, even though you can like schedule your day out, like you don't have to do that. And so like sticking to it is very difficult. And I think that's what I don't like about it. Like I don't have somebody saying you have to be here at this time. You know, like I have to be like, you have to be there at this time. (laughs) And that can get very challenging sometimes. I find that as well. Um, I can sometimes like get off track or be like, I'd rather do this than that. Why am I going to do that? And we get to make the decision. So it's like a little bit of keeping yourself in check. Right. Um, But I totally relate to this big time because um, it's totally true. And um, it's the, 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 entrepreneur's specialty is not always creating a business. I think that that's part of the issue. I think the entrepreneurs um, aren't always there to create business. That isn't their superpower. Their superpower is that they want to. The superpower comes down to the discipline, the consistency, and the willingness to take the risk to go into the business. And um, and I think, Taryn, on, and to your point, is that you know, we, we get a choice. Um, but it's also, we have to hold ourselves accountable. There's no one else is going to do it for us where I think when we go to a corporate America or we have kids that go to school, like the school's holding us accountable to the kids and we're, the business is holding us accountable to do it. But when you're an entrepreneur, it's a choice. You really have to find the drive, the fire, the gasoline that you need to pour on the fire every once in a while to get you through the hard times to keep going. And I think that that's a skill in and of itself that entrepreneurs have to develop including myself is and i've been doing it since almost the beginning like since i can remember is that i've always had to get myself up i've always had to 
make get myself to work. I've always had to go the extra mile for the business based on my own abilities. No one telling me to do it. No extra money was going to show up magically. I wasn't going to get promoted. None of those things. I had to do it to grow my business. And hopefully the money would come later. But mostly it was to grow also the people around me uh, so the business could grow. And that was what I focused on. At the And in the end, because you have to have a fire burning, is money a motivator? Sure. But I find as an entrepreneur, the independence, the the independence to build your own legacy, the, the financial freedom that comes. And that doesn't mean you have tons of money. That just means you have more choices. You get to do what you want with your business, reinvest the money in the business, how you think it should be done. And from your own experience, because you're the one living and not someone who's not actually experiencing the business, making the decisions from the ivory tower, for lack of a better term. So I love that you talked about this. So Taryn, as we sort of wrap things up, is there anything you would tell any entrepreneurs out there or any individuals trying to get started in the food entrepreneur space that you think would be beneficial to them? Uh, yeah, don't listen to other people. When they tell you no, it's probably a clear yes. <laughs> like, <Yep. laughs> like, unless it's like really outlandish, honestly, you probably have a good idea. And you're also probably not going to make any money the first year. <laughs> so don't think you're going to be rich. <laughs> yeah, I say it's like 18 months at the very least. It takes 18 yeah. months to make a change in a habit. It takes 18 months to get people to change their buying habits or recognize your business to become loyal customers. And that's just the way yeah. it is. Or, um, And actually, I do have one more question for you. I'm sorry. And I'll, I do want to get on. But how do you build your relationships with your customers? Oh, so, man, um, people think it's really, really funny, um, and I don't know if they remember me doing it or not, but I would pack up, so when I first started, I've only been living in Albuquerque for a little while, maybe like a year and a half, um, I've lived around, but I've just been downtown here, and, um, so I used to pack up like 200 sample bags of candy and I would go to every local event and just hand out free candy to every single vendor. And every vendor, like not every vendor, but most vendors would either remember me. They would, you know, like somehow they would remember me. But on top of that, um, a lot of people would take pictures and they would post it on their Instagram. And so that really helped me grow my clients and grow my relationships with with like local people already. So I really like just like went around and just honestly gave out smiles. Like that's how I thought of it. Like. I just handed out smiles. <laughs> so that's really how I like created relationships with my customers. And I still do it. Like I still go to markets and hand out free candy. Love it. I love it. Um, where can they find you online again? And, and where can they uh, find your candy? Uh, so my Instagram is the best freeze dried candy. And you can always DM me to order candy. Um, I'm revamping my website right now. Um, 
in Albuquerque. I'm at the Downtown Growers Market. And then I'm also at the Rail Yards Market every weekend. Um, you can always find it at Squidley Store and Flyby Provisions. Um, and always downtown. You can always send a DM, order whatever you want, come pick it up. Um, because the business is growing, I don't necessarily have time to be in store all the time. And um, yeah, having somebody in store all the time also doesn't necessarily work. So <laughs> yeah, it's very so, yeah. true. <laughs> Even though I'd love for someone to be sitting there all day long, um, it doesn't necessarily work for anybody. <laughs> true. <laughs> I, I and I I agree with the same wishes. The um, <laughs> I really appreciate your time, and I can't. There's so much valuable, you know, yummy nuggets of snackable information in here um, that I really, really, really appreciate this, and I really appreciate you coming on the show and and doing this and and taking the time to be um, a part of the show. And I look forward to having you on again to talk about Bang Bang Fries because I, that just seems like you're so creative with the candy. I can't wait to hear what you come up with the French fries. And uh, again, Albuquerque, New Mexico, sticky fingers, everyone. Look them up. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. I appreciate all of you guys. I appreciate you listening in. I appreciate all the support of the podcast. I love you guys. Continue to share. Please give us good reviews. Five stars where applicable are the amount of things, or especially for the episodes, because these entrepreneurs are coming on here. They're sharing their story and their time that benefit the world around them uh, so other entrepreneurs can lead, so we can spread liberty and freedom and independence through entrepreneurism and capitalism. So I appreciate what everyone's doing. You know, again, I love everyone's feedback on the American dream and, and how we're instilling it in everyone, and everyone's like finds a secondary or third or whatever fourth motivation by realizing they are part of the American dream and how hard their relatives work to get them to where they are, to give them the opportunity to be in a free country, to be an entrepreneur and have as much entrepreneur because being an entrepreneur in the United States or in free countries is a lot easier than other countries as we're finding as we do interviews around the world. So again, thank you everyone for listening in. You can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. If you want delivery, do DoorDash. They'll get the food to you fast. And thank you, everyone, for listening in. You can find me at Justin Bizarro, B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O, on Instagram or Facebook. And you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. And we're out.